I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment, the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head. I could do my own internal, like, yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears. I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and a nourishing and healing postpartum. I offer holistic birth preparation and postpartum online courses worldwide for the conscious mama wanting to prepare emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually for her birth and for her postpartum. And if you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. If you had a natural and empowering birth experience that you would like to share with the world, then you can email me at anathespiritualmidwife at gmail.com and maybe your story will be featured on the Natural Birth Podcast. Now let's dive into today's episode. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have a returning mama, Emily. Emily came on the podcast in November 2020 and shared about her first two births in the episode, why going with an independent midwife was the answer to Emily's positive home birth story. If you haven't heard that one yet, then pause this episode and scroll on down to hear about the first two births. However, you don't need to hear the first episode to enjoy this one. In this episode, we will hear about how Emily and her partner came to the decision to choose a free birth and the radical self-responsibility they practiced throughout her pregnancy and birth. Emily is an early childhood educator and doula with a passion for conscious parenting and a natural birth. And she has just released her online course, The Conscious Caregiver. Curious about Emily? Find her at Conscious Mothers Group on Instagram. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast again. Lovely to have you back on. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here again. Yes. For everyone listening, Emily was actually on the podcast. I don't know when your episode was aired. Do you remember when I aired your? No, no, it was last yeah, year, probably yeah. 
Yeah, at least six months ago, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You had just, when we did the recording, you had just fallen pregnant with this little baby. Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, but then obviously I didn't air it straight away. So, Mm. right, yeah, probably around somewhere in end of 20 july or something yeah yeah that's yeah. when we recorded it yeah so if you um would like to hear emily's first two birth stories um you can do that um maybe you should pause this recording and go and actually have a listen mm-hmm. if you want to um today we are going to hear about her most recent birth with her third baby which was only five weeks ago and it was a free birth. So I'm really excited about hearing your thought process, how you ended up deciding on a free birth after having gone through both the public system of midwifery for your first and then private midwifery uh, for your second. And yeah, I remember us actually chatting a little bit about it before the first recording. I think when you said you were pregnant, you were thinking about how you would go with your care. And this is really exciting. I, I didn't see this coming, which is Amazing. So with no further ado, please, Emily, uh, share with us about how you ended up deciding on this free birth. Yeah, so I guess free birth only kind of came into my radar um, after having my second. Um, I, yeah, I just started hearing more about it. It just kept popping up and I started listening to stories of women who had free birthed and yeah, it was just something that I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I can so see why a woman would do that. And I love that they really trust themselves and they really trust their body. Um, but I didn't know if it was something that I could ever do. I still had that little bit of doubt. And um, then when I got pregnant, I was obviously had still been thinking about it, but I was like, oh, no, I I just don't think that I can do that. And I booked in with my um, midwife that I had with my second, the private midwife that I used um, because I absolutely adore her and she was fantastic in my birth with with Ziggy. I couldn't fault her a bit. So I was like, yep, it was a no-brainer. I'll have her again. And then as I just started moving through the pregnancy, it was just still coming up in my mind again, like hmm, free birth, free birth, free birth. But I just, it's almost like I wasn't fully listening and I wasn't, um, yeah, I wasn't really listening to what my body was telling or maybe what my baby was telling me because I kind of feel like it's maybe what she wanted as well for me and for her. Um, so, yeah, it just kept coming up and then I was doing more and more research into it and finding out really like what it would mean for me and what I would need, what my husband would need to know, you know, just everything. And then I was like, okay, I just committed to it. And I was like, yep, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. And um, I spoke to my midwife about it. This was around 20 weeks. And at this point as well, I'd already decided to go down the more like a wild pregnancy route. So I wasn't going to have any ultrasounds or I wasn't having any kind of testing done like really I was just catching up with my midwife and we were just having a chat when she'd come around and you know we have such a beautiful relationship so it was just like come over for a cup of tea and we'll just yeah talk about life um and yeah when I decided it was actually really difficult to talk to her about it because 
like I said, it wasn't anything about her because I absolutely adore her and I think she's an amazing midwife. It was more about me and the experience that I wanted and to really go into this birth and fully trust myself and not rely on any external whatsoever. Like I even more so than the other births wanted to go in and yeah, just really tune into what was coming up for me. And it felt like this was also going to be my last baby. And I think it is. And I kind of was seeing the pregnancy as that, that it was my last pregnancy and last birth. And I thought what an opportunity to give myself to, yeah, allow everything that needs to come up to come up to trust myself and yeah, stop looking for the external. So yeah, I spoke to her about it and she completely understood. Um, you know, she was like, I'm so sad that I'm not going to be there for the birth, but you know, I respect every woman's decision and it was great. Like it couldn't have gone better because I was so nervous about it, you know? Um, yeah, I just didn't want to offend her. That was my biggest thing. Um, so, but once that was done, it was like, a big kind of weight lifted off me and I was like, okay, like this is happening now and, you know, we're doing it. Um, And like I said, I was going down this, yeah, more of a wild pregnancy route and that was just in itself so incredible just for that whole trust of my body and tuning in. And it's not that I wouldn't have ever gotten anything if I felt like it was needed, you know, if I'd have felt that something was wrong and I would have needed an ultrasound or needed to get a blood test or needed to go and check the heartbeat, I would have done it a hundred percent. But there was never a time where I felt that anything was required. Um, I was listening to my body every single day. You know, there were even times where there was a short, like few days where I was waking up in the morning and I would feel really faint. So I was like, okay, this could be my iron. This could be my blood pressure let's have a little think about what I can do. All right, I'm going to try in the morning now eating as soon as I wake up to kind of see if it's that. And then as soon as I did that, it was, it stopped. Where if it hadn't stopped, I'd have probably gone and get my blood pressure checked. If that hadn't have done, you know, I'd have gone and done something else. So I wasn't naive to think that um, nothing can ever go wrong. It was just, I was more tuning into what it could be and figuring it out with my body and the signs that it was giving me as opposed to I guess when you're going down the usual route where everything just gets tested no matter what um yeah so no that was really nice but then I also had kind of convinced my husband that this was a good idea so he wasn't um fully on board to start with um you know, I guess it's so different for the man uh, because he isn't feeling everything that's going on. He isn't as connected to the baby as we as the mother are. Um, So it was quite difficult for him to understand why I would want to do this um, and to fully trust that everything was going to be okay. And luckily he's... um, He's really amazing and he's always been on board with everything that we've ever done as a family, even though it's a lot of things have been alternative. You know, first of all, it's like we're going to home birth and he's like, yes, jump on board with that. We're (laughs) going to do this alternative medical thing. Yes, sure. We're going to homeschool. Yeah. And he's always just jumped on board. And this was really like the first time where he was like, hmm, I'm not sure, Um, which was actually really great for our relationship as well to be able to work through that and, um, you know, have that little 
hurdle and overcome it and yeah I mean we'll get there but he just absolutely loved the birth and wanted to do it again five minutes later (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, beautiful but it's so important that what you're mentioning you know whether it's free birthing home birthing even birth center birthing you know it's so important if you have a partner that that also feels right for them you know Mm. uh, of course you have to be the sovereign birthing woman um but you'll feel if your partner has anxiety and especially obviously with the free birth there's a he probably felt there's a lot of pressure on him to then be able to see if something's going wrong or if something went wrong what should he do and stuff like that so uh, do you want to dive a bit further into that and how you prepare yeah well that was exactly it it was the pressure so when we kind of got deeper into the conversation it was that he felt that everything was going to be put on him and that you know he was going to be so responsible and that responsibility was huge um and it was really just kind of diving into, okay, well, what are your fears? What are your fears? What is it that's coming up for you? And we went through those and, you know, the obvious things come up. What if the baby's not breathing or what if, you know, so then we just go, okay, well, knowledge is power. Let's have a look at what happens in those situations. What is the worst thing that can happen? What is the best thing that can happen? What do we need to look for? You know, um, so we just got into all of that and I felt so comfortable. Um, I did a free birth course and passed all of that information on to him so that he had access to whatever he wanted to. There were some great free birthing resources for dads that he could look at, um, but it just took time and it was almost like not until the very end of the pregnancy where it all kind of hit him as well, where he's like, okay, it's actually happening and it's going to be really soon and that's when he really started to dig into what he needed to know and like I said it was just tuning into what the fears were and figuring out how we can you know make them not a fear anymore um and it was great for us just in general like I feel like it's a great way to just grow yourself you know because those fears although they're related to birth they're so related to things that are just going on in our life anyway um so it's a great way to just grow as as a human being you know um yeah, so yeah, we we obviously got on the same page and we were all good. And and to be honest, at the end of the day, I was like like you said, we want our partners to be on board, but I did have to kind of say, look, I am the birthing woman and I need to um be respected in the choices that I make because I have to do this. I'm the one doing it. Um, yes, I want you to be there, yes, I want you to support me, and of course. I want the energy that you're bringing into the birth space to be one of um, calm and support and, and and for it to be peaceful and, and um, you know, I don't want, like you said, the anxiety. But, yeah, that kind of created a bit of a shift when I explained that I am the one that is doing this. Mm. Um, yeah, so then it was a reasonably easy pregnancy. Um you know, I was um, obviously mothering two children at the same time as being pregnant, which um, sounds like a really difficult job. But luckily, yeah, it was quite easy and I wasn't in too much pain or anything. And then we got pretty close to the end and still I was feeling good. I went past 40 weeks. So she came on 41 plus one. And the great thing about that was as well was that I had already told myself that this baby was going to be past the due date, you know, guest date, um, because uh, Ziggy, my second, he was 10 days past. 
So I'd already put it in my mind that it's going to be probably 41 weeks or so. Um, So I had no kind of, I wasn't impatient. I wasn't eagerly waiting. I was like, I'm just ready for whenever this is going to be. And it was really nice to feel that way. And in fact, like even after 40 weeks, I was actually kind of like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. I'm just happy being pregnant and enjoying this time again, thinking that this is probably going to be my last pregnancy. So let's just enjoy having a little baby in my womb for the last time. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I guess going into the birth story. So, yeah, I was 41 plus one and that morning I woke up and I went to see the chiropractor and he was like, yep, you're all good, like everything looks great. Um, So she, I didn't know she was a she, but she had been posterior since 33 weeks and that was just what I could tell myself from palpating my own belly and her movements and things and that was actually something I did have to work through so if you've listened to my first birth stories you'll know that um, my first son he was posterior and that was one of the reasons for a hospital transfer and then he his birth was kind of about a long a longish birth you know 33 hours and pretty normal really for a first birth, even if it wasn't posterior. Um, And then my second birth, because he was in this, you know, what you would call an optimal position and also he was my second, he was this beautiful quick four-hour home birth in the water. So I had these two stories in my head of what a posterior birth looks like and what an anterior birth looks like. And it was a real battle for me to just surrender and let go of that and that positioning and be like, look, this baby is in the best position that they, for them and for my body. And they've had all of this time to move if they needed to. My body is not restricting them in any way. I've been having all this body work and chiropractic, you know, there's nothing that's preventing them. So I had to just kind of surrender to the fact that this is obviously the safest position for them right now. And what will be will be. And that was actually probably one of the biggest challenges, actually, just, um, yeah, letting that go. But I did. And (laughs) I went into labour knowing that, yeah, they were in that posterior position and just knowing that it would be as it is. And, um, yeah, so went to the chiropractor, all was good, and then I came home and the boys went to my mum's house in the afternoon. This is about 1 o'clock or something, and my husband and I were like, he was supposed to be working, but he was like, oh, do you think we should just, like, have some time to just chill, you know? Maybe this will be our last kind of time for just us being together. And I said, yeah, let's do that. So we were sitting on the couch and we were catching up on a TV show that we were watching and it was now about quarter past three and I was lying down and I just heard and felt this big pop and it felt like a big kick in my cervix and I was, I actually said, ow, that really hurt and stood up and, (laughs) you know, stared the waters. Yeah, the waters are Um, flowing. Yes. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's happening. And this is actually the same way that my first son's birth started with the waters breaking and the big kind of gush, not even just the trickle, like the huge kind of waterfall, (laughs) dramatic movie style. Um, But apart from, sorry, but this time there was meconium. 
So when I looked down, I was standing over the rug and the the waters that had been released, amniotic fluid was um, stained. So it was kind of a yellowy, greeny, kind of very light colour. And I just turned to my husband and I said, oh, there's my conium. And he was like, okay, what does that mean? And I was like, well, I don't know. Could mean a lot of things. Could mean nothing. Um, mm. Let's just take a breath and let me go to the toilet because I've got amniotic fluid coming out of me. So I got myself there and it was still kind of flowing out of me and, you know, that same colour. And, of course, there was panic that set in. Um, yeah, it was meconium is something for, for women listening who might not even know what it is. It's a baby's yes. poo, right? And, you know, depending on where you are, if you were... Um, you know, depends on if you're in a hospital, in a birth center, private midwife, and what kind of guidelines and policies they follow. So the more strict policy and guidelines, even if it is very light, is to have continuous monitoring of your baby's heart rate and your contractions. Um, if if the midwife is independent and follow kind of the NICE guidelines, for example, uh, light meconium might not mean transfer to hospital and continuous monitoring. So it's very different, um, whether it is kind of heavy meconium, very very dark, or if it's light, uh, depending on management in, in the system. Uh, but you obviously were free birth, and so you took radical uh, self-responsibility. And we're now sitting in the on the toilet and thinking, what do I do now? And also, again, you know, what can, what can be the reasons for meconium? Well, first of all, it can be a term baby who's just mature and has done its first poop or and the reason why there is these guidelines um is that it could mean that baby is distressed and so those are the reasons so back to your story you're sitting on the mm. toilet what then yeah so yeah sitting there and in a little bit of panic like just wondering what do I do what do I do um what does this mean I had to kind of really bring myself back but it was probably about an hour of, of panic between my husband and I you know not not overly panicked, but in a sense of like, what shall we do? And I had to go over all of the reasons why and exactly what you said. I was like, okay, she is post-dates. So is her, is her, you know, system just developed? Has she just done a poo while she's in utero and it's now just come out? So that could be one reason why she's done it. Um, you know, the fact that it was, like I said, the really light colour and it was so runny and watery in the amniotic fluid, it wasn't that thick, dark meconium, made me feel like that was the reason that she'd just done the poo and it, she may have even been in it for a while, you know, like she may have not done it then. It could have been a few days ago or, you know, whenever. So I then had to think, okay, well, what are the reasons why, um, medical the medical system panic about this okay well they panic because of the chance of aspiration correct and what is the percentage of her aspirating well it's actually very very low the chances that she aspirates so correct. yeah then what are we, when we're weighing up well if we stay home and there's this really short chance of aspirating or we go to hospital and as you said I'm monitored I'm put on a monitor my movement is then restricted um there'll be wanting they'll be on the clock because they'll be wanting this baby out as quick as possible so I'll have the pressure of the time um and possible threats and and pressure of intervention 
to move things along quickly. And then once she's born, they are very much likely going to want to immediately clamp and cut the cord so there'll be no delayed cord clamping. They'll probably want the placenta out straight away, so they'll want the pitocin. They will most likely remove her from me, suction her, and potentially want to give her oxygen if if required, and maybe even then put her in NICU. Like these are like the worst case, obviously. So I'm like... (sighs) what do we do? Like, do we want that or do we want this? Yes, there's a small risk of of her aspirating at home, but this risk is so small. So then I was like, I need to now just tune in with her, with my body and feel into what is the right thing to do. And as soon as I did, she started moving and just in the very normal way that she'd be moving in my belly throughout my pregnancy. And I was like, she's fine. I was like, she is absolutely fine. This is a variation of normal and this baby's just going to come out and the contractions had already started. I was like, okay, this is good. It doesn't mean that the waters are broken and I'm going to be waiting two days for labour to start. You know, I felt like things were happening. So I just said to my husband, we're staying home. And he was like, okay. He's like, I trust whatever you decide to do. And it's funny because afterwards he said, look, if you'd have put it in my hands, I'd have probably said, let's go to the hospital for just in case. But he's like, I'm so glad I just trusted you. And that was it. Like that was the whole thing that he he knew that I was really well um, educated in a lot of the uh, emergency um, circumstances. So he trusted in that, which was great. And I needed that. I needed him to trust me. Um, so, yeah, we, we started... Um, going yeah we started our journey into labor land and um uh, it wasn't too long after that that my boys came home and and things were just still very crampy and maybe like every 10 minutes I was getting something and they came back and and I told them that their little baby was on the way and they were so excited and they were beautiful rubbing my back and and giving me kisses and singing songs to me I think in my birth video you can see that they go and get a ukulele and start singing a song to me and it was so nice um and they had dinner and, and my husband sorted all that out while I was just still, yeah, just enjoying these nice early stages of labour. And, and I knew that it was getting darker and that they were about to go to bed and the chances of it kind of ramping up were going to be quite high. And I asked the two of them um, what they wanted to do. I said, the baby's probably going to come tonight. Um, would you like me to wake you up or would you like to stay asleep? And um, my youngest said, wake me up because he has watched um, his own birth video multiple times <laughs> and he wanted to be the midwife. So Aww. he said, mummy, I'm going to wear gloves and get in the pool and get the baby. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you don't need to wear gloves. It's okay. <laughs> but you can do that. Sure, sure. You can be the one to do that. Um, so he said, yeah. So he's only two and a half and he wanted wow. to be there. And where my eldest, who's four and a half, who was there for his brother's birth, said, no, just wake me up for the cake. So <laughs> we baked a birthday cake. <laughs> and I said to him, we were going to sing happy birthday once the baby was born and eat cake. But he was like, no, I'm just in for the cake. I don't want the birth stuff. I'll just see the cake. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, so they went off to bed and I said, I'll see you in the morning and maybe we'll have a baby. Um, and yeah, as soon as, like I said, as soon as they were in there and settled, 
things were kind of ramping up a little bit and it just felt really good and I felt so safe and just so um, completely powerful and fearless and it just felt right just to be doing this, like me and my baby working together. Um, Yeah, and it felt good. So my husband then came out and I said, you know, it's kind of like it's getting a bit stronger but it's all manageable so you just do your thing and I'll let you know when I need you and I had um asked my lovely friend to be present for me and she is um she actually free birthed herself like seven months prior uh, but lives five hours away from us so Ooh. she had come up and stayed. Um, oh, wow. Once I got to about 39 weeks, she'd come up to Perth and, and stayed close by with her two boys. So she just up, you know, up and left everything in her life and done this, which was so amazing. Like I'm just so grateful to her. And um, so I let her know that things were kind of happening and to just come when she wanted. And because she had a seven-month-old, I was like, well, you might just want to come and settle him down to sleep if you want and because he was going to be there as well, of course, because he's still breastfed through the night and things. So, yeah, so I think she kind of just started making her way over. But in my head I was like, oh, I feel like we've still got a little while to go. Um, you know, I just I just felt really good. I think that was the thing. I just felt so um so good in my body and just so present that it didn't feel like it was going to be super quick. Maybe it was just progressing at a nice pace. Um, I had a TENS machine. Uh, Once I kind of realised that she was staying posterior, I hired a TENS machine because that really helped in my first labour. I didn't use that in my second because I didn't really have um, as much of the back labour. But, um, yeah, so I hired it pretty much three days before I turned 40 weeks. I was like, okay, this is happening. She's not going to move right now. So let's just get it in case. And it really, really helped with that um, kind of pressure in the back that that can sometimes happen when when baby's in that position. Um, so, yeah, I started using that and was having my husband come and do all the hip squeezes and the, the sacral pressure and yeah, like I said, it was just, it was just beautiful. Like it, I was just, I f- just felt great and it felt so right and so normal and so natural for us to just be doing this, like just having a baby. Um, and the, 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 um, meclonium thing had just completely gone out of my head. Like it wasn't even popping into my head that that had happened. And at this point as well, the amniotic fluid was still slightly leaking because obviously it just keeps kind of going throughout the labor and it had cleared slightly as well so it's like you know all the meconium had been released in that first big gush and it was just like clearer waters now do you want a natural birth mama then a natural birth course might be for you do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready, body, mind and soul? 
deep, deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so. Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. Yeah, so my friend arrived and we were just all working together and I got onto the mattress and I was laying down and things were getting kind of more intense and I started making this really like amazing sound that I've never heard before. It was like a singing note, a really high note, <laughs> and I just sang this note really loud and it really just took away any of like um, the sensations that I was having, like any kind of pain sensation that I was having. It just seemed to really help. And as soon as I'd have to stop to take a breath, I would feel it again, the sensation. I'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to stop and take a breath. I just want to hold this <laughs> note continuously because it feels so good. Mm. Um, and I knew that I was in transition at this point as well because I was like, just kept saying, I really want a break. I just want a break. I just want to stop. I can't do it any longer, you know, and my head was like, yeah, this is transition. Um, and I knew that I had to keep going, but I just wanted that break. Yeah. Um, and at this point, my two and a half year old woke up on his own. So he woke up and he came out and he came and sat on the mattress with me. And first of all, because I was singing this note, he was looking at me like, what on earth are you doing? Like, my mummy's never made this noise before. <laughs> um, but he wasn't scared. He was just curious. And the great thing was that obviously you get a break in between each sensation. So once it had, once it was over, I could look him in the eye and say, mummy's okay this baby's coming and, and mummy's safe and you want to come and give me a cuddle? And I could talk to him and just reassure him that everything was fine and I think that really helped and, yeah, he came and lay with me and cuddled me through some of the surges. And then before I knew it, I was feeling the sensations like right down into my bum and, and into um, my vagina and I was like, oh, okay. I think that this baby's moving down and, you know, this, it was probably about maybe around about 11 o'clock. So it, it hadn't been that long really, like it was going fairly well um, and the pool had been filled up. So I did have the birth pool there. My husband had been working away, filling it up and um, I just didn't get in because I just kept thinking, oh, we've still got a while, we've still got a while, don't want to get in too soon. Uh, but as soon as I felt that sensation, I was like, right, getting in the pool now. So jumped in the pool and even my husband didn't know that this is how far along I was because I was leaning over the edge and I was squeezing his hand as the, the like pushing down took over me. And he was like, relax your hand, relax your hand. You know, we're still, and I was like, babe, I can't like, this is like, the baby is coming out. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm opening, I'm stretching and I'm opening. And this, this baby is crowning. And he was like, oh, and he like just moved around to the other side of the pool to see. And he was like, oh my gosh. And he just looked down and saw that I was crowning. 
And then he set the video camera up because I was like, I really want to just have the moment where, you know, she's coming out to be to be recorded. Um, so he set all that up and while that was happening, I was just working through all those lovely stretching sensations mm-hmm. that happen as baby's head's coming down. And, yeah, I feel like I just need to keep reiterating as to how normal it felt and how safe it felt. And at, not at one point did I feel like I needed someone else to be there to tell me that I was doing it right or that everything was okay because I just knew. I just knew that this was happening exactly how it was supposed to happen my baby just knew what they were doing and so did I um it was and it was almost like every position that I got into and every movement I made during the the labor was exactly what I needed to progress it along as it was going and I feel like that only happened because I wasn't looking to anybody else to tell me you know Mm. nobody was saying to me do this now or do that or move here or why don't you try this? I just fully listened to what my body told me to do. Mm. Um, yeah, so, yes, in the pool and everything's stretching and opening and her head kind of comes out just a little bit, not all the way. It was kind of only like a few centimetres out and I could see my husband and it was stuck there and I could see my husband's face and well, not stuck there. It was, it yeah. stayed there. The, the contraction yeah. had stopped and the head was there. Because and I saw my husband's face. The process yes. to, you know, yes. open, yes. <laughs> exactly. And he was looking at me and he was like, is it okay? Her head's not all the way out. It's just a little bit out. And I'm there in labor reassuring him. Yes, this is fine. It's all okay. And he's like, it's taking a really long time for the next one to come. I was like, it's because my body just needs a rest. Like I just need to wait for the next one to come. I'm not going to push because if I push, I will likely tear. I've just got to wait for the next sensation to come along and then her head will come out. And it did. That's exactly what happened. And I just shuffled myself backwards onto the step and out came her head and then yeah like maybe one or two later she started rotating and this was the first time my husband had ever seen this so with my first it was all a bit of a blur because we were all very tired after a long kind of labor and then with my second he was behind me like holding me and supporting me But this time he was right in front of me and because I was sitting on the step kind of with my legs open and just slightly leaning back, almost like in a bit of a squat position, he could see everything and he was like, that is amazing. Like that baby just knew exactly what they were supposed to do. Like they were wriggling and turning and getting into the position. And, oh, yeah, so I will say not posterior at this point. She came out obviously had turned at some point during the labour. I have no idea when, but I noticed that as soon as the head came out and I looked down and I couldn't see a face, I was like, okay, <laughs> she's just the other way. And, yeah, I felt her turning herself like exactly how he described and it was the most amazing feeling. And, you know, even though I've done it twice before, it was the most present I've ever been with it. Um, I think that I don't know, like even with my second birth being at home, I still felt like I went into a bit of freeze mode at that point where I was like, oh, like, is this right? Is it all happening okay? Where I was so present with the sensations and, yeah, it was incredible to feel her her move and then just slide on out. Um, and then she kind of slid out to like about her belly button and she opened her mouth up and my instinct was just to, 
lift her out of the water with her mouth opening. I don't know why I just did. I was like, oh, do I need to get her up? So I did. And she was still, yeah, slightly inside me, but the pool wasn't super full and I was able to just lift her up. So her her face and her head were out of the water and then she then, all of her came out and up onto me and she cried almost immediately. And that was a huge relief really for um, my husband because he was obviously worried about the breathing and it was something that we discussed prior and he was like, okay, I know that if they cry that that, that it's, you know, means that they're taking that big kind of breath. So he had this moment of like, ah, oh, like relaxing and I could see his face and even I did, you know, I was like, okay, like she's okay. And uh, just the fact that she had so much tone and so much colour and was crying, I was like, okay, we made a, we made the right decision. Like she's absolutely fine. Like the meconium thing for us wasn't an issue and I'm so glad that we stayed here and, you know, didn't go and have all those potential um, interruptions in this beautiful birth process. Um, so, yeah, she was there and and. Yeah, so my my toddler had witnessed the whole thing and he was amazing. Like he was sitting, standing by the pool the whole time and uh, he was beautiful, like wiping my hair out of my face when it had gotten, you know, in my face and all wet stuck to me and I could hear his little voice constantly saying, the baby's coming and it was so lovely. And um, then we went and woke up my um, older son and he came for the cake, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted him to be there when we found out that, she was a girl um because he had said the whole pregnancy that I was having a girl and he really wanted a sister uh where my two and a half year old told me I was having two boys and I was like I hope not because we didn't really know if it was more than one but I was pretty certain that there was only one in there but of course not having a scan we didn't know for sure but yeah I was I was 99% sure there was only one in there um, so yeah, it was so lovely, and to find out that we had a girl after um, our two boys was amazing, and it was such a such a wonderful experience. And um, yeah, I kind of didn't really mention it at the start, but we had a very conscious conception with her, and um, we called in this little girl that had been kind of hanging around me for a little while, and. Um, yeah, when we conceived her, we really asked her to come in and we were very conscious about the days that we conceived as well to try and, you know, sway things a little bit. And, um, yeah, so I dreamt about her in pregnancy and each time I got to see a little bit more of her and, and see her face and she told me that her name was Mila in the in the stream. And it wasn't the name that we had decided. We'd actually had another name always for a girl. Um, each pregnancy, you know, we'd had we'd had boys, so we had this girl name from for years and years. But I told my husband, I don't know if that's her name because she's come to me in the stream and told me that her name is Mila, and he's like, "Well, I love that name," and I was like, "So do I." And it's so strange because it's just not one that was ever on our radar. And when she came out and I saw her face, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is the girl from the dream. This is the baby from the dream. This is Mila. It's it's her. It's the one that I've seen, you know, throughout this whole pregnancy. 
So, yeah, that was her name. Her name was Mila. She'd already told me. She decided herself. <laughs> um, so I think that was already a little bit of her personality showing there. And same with the fact that um, I was pretty sure that she was going to be a Taurus baby because on the 20th is the turnover date for between Aries and Taurus and she decided to come on the 19th at 11.34. So... <laughs> So yeah, yeah. She um when when she was kind of um when I went into labor, even at three fifteen, I was like, yep, this is she's just waited to be a Taurus. That's why she's coming today because she's just going to go through the process and then by midnight or so, she'll but no, she was she had her own plans, as it seems like is exactly her personality, which is great. (laughs) Well, especially you know you sharing it was such a conscious conception and you called her in you know and mm. I you know I've heard many people speak of when that is the case that the children are quite um you know determined they have their purpose they really want to be on earth they have you know they come with yeah. a very strong like this is the way <laughs> yeah yeah um, that sounds right yeah so and then I um so I guess going back like we I was then in the pool and my two and a half year old jumped in the pool with me and he it was like he was just getting in a bath really he just took all his clothes off and and got in um and then I was really just ready to get the placenta out like I just felt like I I had a very short cord actually Her, her cord was quite short which is um different to my to my other two and I just felt a bit uncomfortable and I was like, okay, I need this out now. It just feels like it needs to come out of me. But I felt like I needed to be out of the pool to do it. So I managed to get out of the pool and on the mattress that was next to the pool. And, um, yeah, it came out really fairly easily. I just kind of did a little little kind of push and, and out it came. And, and I had taken um, the a tincture uh, for placenta release as well, one of the Blissful Herbs tinctures. And so, yeah, it was only kind of a few minutes after I'd taken that and out it came and that was really... Do you really remember easy. for everyone listening, especially the ones who might not live in Australia, do you remember what that tincture uh, was? Can you remember the herbs or potentially something that was in it? I'm not sure. It was, yeah, it was just a called Blissful Herbs Placenta Release Tincture and I'm not sure exactly the herbs that were in it, but I know that it's a blend of different herbs. Okay, well, um, people can always Google that then and they can probably see what's in it on the website even though yes. they might not live in Australia. Yes, definitely. Interested. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I had a few of those just um, for in case, like I had a no-bleed one as well in case that there was any kind of hemorrhage. Um, and I also had an afterbirth pain ease one, which I definitely needed. Um, yeah, so placenta came out and we decided to do a cord burning ceremony and make it very ritualistic. Um, and my two boys had their own candle and it was so lovely just to have that very slow um, separation of her and I and I was able to just lie there with her and and my husband and two boys and my beautiful friend were helping this this cord separate um and it didn't take too long actually I'd heard that it can take quite a long time for you to burn it but um yeah it wasn't so long maybe about 15 minutes or so and then we were separated and um yeah we had birthday cake we sang happy birthday (laughs) to her and um, went to bed because, yeah, it was kind of like 
past midnight at this point and we all went to bed together as a family of five um, and it was lovely. Um, my friend stayed that night and we woke up in the morning and she'd made us breakfast and we were just so kind of nourished and nurtured um, and like I keep saying, it just felt so normal. It was like I just got pregnant and I had a baby. That was it. Like so simple but yet so magical, you know, so incredible. Um, and my postpartum has been really beautiful as well because I um, thoroughly planned for that. Um, and I got a postpartum doula and I had a meal train set up Plus I had stocked my freezer. We actually bought a freezer to put in our garage so that I could stock up on extra food um, to freeze. Um, And I had my family all kind of booked in to do various things like take loads of washing or take the boys. And my husband took six weeks off work so that we could just be really um, slow and mindful during this time. And it's been amazing. And I've pretty much done the first 40 days. Um, I went out for my first time just a few days ago, really. So she's five weeks. So pretty much got to about five weeks before leaving the house at all and felt actually beautiful to do that. And I didn't even feel like I needed to leave the house. I was like, geez, I could stay here forever with her in this lovely little bubble um and yeah still just taking it really slow now and um yeah enjoying this time and letting my body heal in a very slow and gentle way gosh oh I'm just it just warms my heart so much hearing this especially how you've really planned for your postpartum you know Mm. and you look radiant you know for being five weeks postpartum um you look great you don't look yeah. like, you know, a deprived woman that many women do feel at this time. It really shows on you how you've really cared for yourself. Uh, no, that's it. And I feel great. And my healing has been beautiful. Like it's just, it doesn't, it hardly even felt like I'd had a baby, you know, like I just was able to have that time to let my body just do what it needed to do and I had lots of beautiful baths and and soaking with with herbs and things like that and and because like I said I had my postpartum doula and she was just so supportive and and brought me all the teas and you know came and did washing for me and and tidied up my kitchen and looked after my older two boys so I could just sit down and made meals for me and oh I mean what else could you how could you not want that after you've just given a baby everyone should be able to have that experience where they can just be with their baby and allow their body to rest and heal and recover Mm. yes Mm. totally agree I wanted to circle back to something you said that you had a tincture for the afterbirth pains and that you really Mm. needed that because this is something especially when you have your second third or more as long as you have more babies you kind of get in a sense worse afterbirth pains and these are the contractions that uh, contract your uterus down again and so every time you kind of stretch your uterus and have a new baby on board um you know the uterus gets a bit more stretched and stretched every time and has to work a bit harder every time to kind of contract so this is a great tip that you just said you had some a tincture for that that could help you and it can be just good for mamas to know that you know if you're listening to this and you're waiting for your second baby third fourth just know that this could be most likely your experience and to plan for that 
So again, you had a tincture. Do you remember the name of that tincture? Yes, it was again, it was one of the Blissful Herbs ones. So I'm sure, like you said, people can have a little look on her website. Um, But I had planned for that because I had been so unaware of it for my second baby. So, and like you said, it kind of seems to progressively get a little bit harder each time. Mm. Uh, So the first birth I had um no after pains at all really maybe a little crampy not sure can't remember anything and then the second had no idea that it was going to be like that and I had not prepared anything I had nothing to help me and the crazy thing was is that I had this natural birth and then I took a Panadol for some after pain relief um and it's something that I never do anyway like I never ever take any kind of pain relief for a headache or whatever you know I had ordered this tincture and also some homeopathics that um were useful for after pain so I think the name of the homeopathic I used was Bellis and I also used Arnica for some recovery so Mm. yes I was well well prepared for that and look it was obviously (laughs) there was pain but it was um, helped by using these natural remedies. Um, it just kind of lessened the severity of it, I would say. Mm. And also mm. maybe even knowing that this was a part of it this time around, you were kind of prepared mentally. Yes. That might also have kind of eased it, just the knowing that this will be and also knowing I have these things mm. because obviously, you know, I do definitely think that these things helped uh, that you had. And also then we have placebo, just knowing that you're taking something for it. You know, it's also so important. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful, Emily. So if you had a first time mama in front of you right now, who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice or pearls of wisdom would you give to her? (sighs) Okay, so I think for me, the biggest lesson I learned from this birth was trust. Like that was the lesson that just kept coming up for me. That was... um, yeah, the biggest um, word that was like in big flashing lights uh, to trust, 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 trust. And and I thought that I trusted my body before in my other births. I really did. But this one threw me into it even further. Um, and I think taking that time in, in pregnancy just to tune in and connect, like even just for a few minutes every day um, with your body is is really important to develop that trust and and that connection. Uh, I think in my last chat with you, I spoke all about, you know, working on what blockages you have um, so that they don't kind of show up in birth. And I still really do believe in that, that if there's anything kind of going on internally that, you know, you can work through that during pregnancy or even before you get pregnant, you know, and I feel like it really does affect your birth because you're not then having to deal with it during the birth um you know I know that I would much prefer to kind of work through all of that stuff in pregnancy as opposed to in labor um and that has definitely shown up for me in both my second and third birth in that when I've really worked through whatever needs to be healed within myself 
that I've had really straightforward births where with my first I didn't do that and it was a little bit more complicated. Um, So, yeah, kind of just healing anything that needs to be healed, trusting in your body and just going with with the motions. Um, I found that in this third birth that I was really able to just accept that this is birth, this is what's happening, this is what my body is doing and it's so temporary. Um, It's a very fleeting moment and before you know it, it'll be over and you'll probably be wishing that you could do it again like I am. Even though it's my last baby, I don't want another baby, but my gosh, I would free birth, I'll give birth again tomorrow. (laughs) I just, I love it. I actually do feel sad that I won't probably be birthing again. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Emily, for sharing your third free birth story. I, yeah, I loved listening to your story. I was quiet most of the time because I was just absorbing your story and just, Mm. you know, thoughts I, I had were how incredibly embodied you were this time around and how you really took radical self responsibility, something that even if you're not a free birther, I think every woman should be doing in a sense of really, really going to yourself first, trusting yourself first. However, you know, for everyone listening who might not have heard your first podcast, I mean, you are a doula and you were a doula before you, I think, in your first labor and Mm. birth experience. And you have these immense knowledge and obviously you dived even deeper for this third birth into really learning about all the emergencies that you needed to know about in case off um, when you are free birthing I mean this is what you need to do and but you feel so embodied you feel so sovereign in your decision making and what a deeply healing thing for yourself love and for your relationship to self as woman as mother as carrier of a womb I'm just I'm so filled up by your story and I'm sure everyone else listening are the same yeah yeah thank you yes I know it it does feel so good to really go in and do that without kind of relying on the external which we do so much you know we're constantly looking to other people to tell us what to do and to tell us what to do with our own body makes no sense to me and that was why I chose to do this because I thought who knows more about my own body than me so I'm going to trust that and yeah it was incredible beautiful thank you so much Emily for coming on the podcast Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please share it. Grade it on iTunes and leave a comment. If you want to connect on social media, you can find me on Facebook as The Spiritual Midwife or on Instagram as The underscore Spiritual underscore Midwife. Thank you for listening.